This is Smart Politics. I'm your host, Anthony Arnold. So in the last two episodes of this series on Vice, I talked about our nation's history with alcohol and gambling. And while I obviously think you should listen to those episodes before listening to this one, if I could summarize both of them with one word, it would be chaotic. But I left a lot of stuff unsaid in both episodes and for good reason. In this episode, Francine is back, not only to help me further unpack both topics, but to talk a bit about how our changing culture and tech has changed the nature of vice itself. Because while there's always been a certain amount of danger associated with vice, which is what makes them fun, it just might be the case that recent changes have made the danger much more acute than we realize. Thanks for joining me, Francine. Well, thanks again for having me on for this discussion. This is cool. Yeah. So what are your thoughts about just general, before we dive into the culture and the tech stuff, you know, what, what, what episodes two and three, what are your general thoughts? Anything you would sort of like to have added on? The discussion about the vices as, as you talked about them and the impact on our society is an, is an interesting one. It's a weird balance. And it seems like our opinions changed based on how much we benefit right. <laughs> from yeah. them. And um, so it's really interesting hearing those discussions, hey, hearing how you discuss the topic and lay them out for us. And I, I think you're spot on in, in how they've been represented historically and uh, some of the changes. And I really do think a lot of the changes are really about economics. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's almost certainly what's driving it. I mean, especially the gambling aspect. I mean, there is a lot of money being made by states. You know, while I was prepping for this episode, I, I went, went I was prepping for this episode and I had to go get gas in my van last night because the, the family is taking the dogs to the dog park. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ah, oh, the van needs some gas. Let me go get some gas. So I go there. While on my way, I see like off in the distance, a DraftKings ad, big up, big old billboard. I'm like, damn, there it is right there. Mm. I pull up to the gas station. I'm sitting there pumping my gas. And I look on the window of the gas station and there are two posters for the state lottery. Wow. I'm like, I'm like, there it is right there. Like in okay. the five minutes it took me to, to drive from my apartment to the gas station, I saw three separate ads for gambling. I was like, so hey, there it is. So if you're one of those people dealing with gambling addiction, it's really hard to manage it in, in the space where they tell you that the addiction is wrong, but it, the, the action is promoted. So it's unavoidable in so many ways and in so many places. And, yeah. you know, it seems almost unfair. Like, how do you, how do you manage that? How do you, how do you yeah. do moderation <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> when mean, you're encouraged to do it on one end and, but you're just supposed to look good while you're doing it, you know? Right. Right. I mean, these ads make it look great. They make it look fun. Kevin Hart is having a ball. Peyton Manning is laughing it up with JB smooth on the Caesars ad. Like everybody is looking, everybody is glowing with happiness. Right. They just won. Nobody's That's struggling to pay be. their bills. Nobody, yeah. you know, lost all yeah. their money at the right. Right. <laughs> the right. Like Peyton pay, pay Manning is good, guys. Like you know, Kevin Hart and JB Smooth. These guys are good, but they're selling it to you. Like I mean, bluntly, they're selling it to you, the sucker, who's gonna lose all your money. And there is something really, you know, as we go through the series, people will continue to see me hit on this. The people who profit from the vice. Mm-hmm. you have to be very careful about how much power you turn over to them. Mm-hmm. And 
that it'll be a driving theme that we see mm-hmm. is that um, not not to tip my hand too much, but mm-hmm. when you legalize something, you make it so that the people who profit from it can now sell it to you. We do not restrict the degree or the intensity with which they can sell us things. So, so are we really against the thing? Or are we against not profiting from the thing? You know, it's it, and yeah. who gets to decide? Yeah, when it's a bad thing. Like, do I get to yeah. decide for myself or do you get to decide for me? Like for me, I don't gamble. I right. like like you. I just don't uh, yeah. I don't like losing money. For one, I just never understood the joy in the risk of losing right. my money. I don't. Yeah. That doesn't compute for me. Yeah. So I don't under you know, so I for me. I decide gambling is just not fun. I'll, I've never even been to Vegas. But if somebody else is deciding that it's good for society and it's around me all the time, you know, do right. I look like the odd person now or do <laughs> I think increasingly, I think increasingly, yeah. Um, I think yeah. those of us who look at these things a bit strange are probably like odd ducks. Yeah, um, yeah. Because you're profiting off of people's hope right when people yeah. are playing the lottery these aren't rich people playing the lottery are no. they usually you know no. when i go to the gas station i see a long line of people when they have those huge jackpots yep they these aren't people that have a, a huge jackpot at home probably yeah they're, they're gambling on the the dream of having yeah. it's, it's sort of like the American dream is placed in these different, yeah. it's like, you can get the American dream over here. You can get it over here. You can get it over here. You know, you right. just don't have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You might win the lottery. Yeah. I, I know. Let's see. It's so, it's so funny. You mentioned that. And I know we're going to move on to the other stuff, but it is, it's so funny. You mentioned that because like, I think the, I'm pretty sure like the Indiana lotto ad literally said something like dream big. Yes, it does. I'm pretty sure, like, literally, that's in the ad read. Yeah, is, is, yeah. Is we, we've transferred the American dream to the to a vice that we also condemn people for. I mean, yeah. it's just a weird paradox. It's a, know? it's, a, it's a very weird, it's a very weird thing. But no, to your point, yeah, we are like they are literally selling people on selling the dream. I'll them like, oh, we're gonna give it to your schools. I don't, I don't yeah. think that's, gonna happen. And, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so let's move on to some of the. Some of the culture stuff. You asked an interesting question when we were prepping for the episode, and I wanted to sort of pull that further discussion out. So you asked, uh, is isolation a vice? Because we had mm-hmm. talked about how growing isolation, by that I mean like more people are are living alone. If you look at this, there's like been a two or three times increase in percentage of people living alone. Mm-hmm. Post-COVID, there certainly has been a shift towards a solo lifestyle People aren't going into the offices. I think people got more comfortable doing things on their own. Mm-hmm. Even things like gambling anonymous, alcohol anonymous groups started doing Zoom chats because they they couldn't meet. And so, you know, how might this compound the problems of alcohol and or gambling? And separately, like, is isolation a vice on its own? So what are your thoughts? Maybe not a vice on its own, but it's certainly a recipe that exacerbates the situation. For instance, when you're drinking socially, you can have the peer pressure of people around you to say, hey, haven't you had enough? Right. You know, or, right. or, or someone with who you go to gamble with, you know, hey, we, we, we lost enough money. Let's go to the buffet. Right? right. You have somebody to help pull you back. When you're isolated, when you're by yourself, you don't have that social peer pressure, the positive right. part of peer pressure that 
might cause you to think outside of yourself. You know what? This is I've, I've lost enough money on this thing. Right. And with something like 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 alcohol, I mean, I mentioned it in that in that episode too. You know, but one of one of the benefits of alcohol has been as as a social lubricant. Yeah. Like historically, mm-hmm. you know, it allows people to lower their guards enough that it makes all sorts of cooperation more possible. That's been one of the that that is one of the reasons why humanity has invested so much energy into developing alcohol, <laughs> so much brain power into just making making alcohol is because when done socially that's why i said like you know a good drink and good among friends is like a good can be a really good thing like a really fun time it it allows people to create great memories and things like that um and And we have things around it like a cheers at a wedding toaster but then when you're alone you sort of don't have that part you just have the getting drunk part right Um, right exactly Exactly. which is which is not so good and and again because we've had a big shift towards solo lifestyles, towards non-communal mm-hmm. lifestyles. Mm-hmm. I mean, our society has become less and less community-oriented over decades. Right. Before we go past this, but I have to share with you one of the yeah. things that uh, I used to hear from my my father during my parents' time. They were a part of these community things like bowling leagues, yep. softball leagues, and my father used to say things like, "You made me think of this: never drink alone." Yep. You never yep. drink alone yep. for one of the, these very reasons. You know, you yep. don't want to be that that per tears in your beer. There's country song, uh, but, you know, for those country music fans, <laughs> <laughs> those are popular lyrics. She yeah. Them. There's the crops in the field. Yeah. And here I am with tears in my beer. So it's um, there's a reason why people came together. And and to, to, to even further that point, I, I don't know his name, but I know the. Uh, was it the Surgeon General, the health guy in the federal agency, just said like, what was it, last week probably, he just described loneliness as an isolation. As as I mean, he basically announced what can only be described as like, we need a true revolution again to to reorient ourselves around community. Yeah, he mentioned it as a... uh, is akin to the level of a pandemic that it's a fact is having and I'm, I'm looking up his name because i have a hard time pronouncing it actually that's who i yeah better you <laughs> dr. Than me. dr murthy vivek murthy he he mentioned that it's having a huge impact on levels of addiction depression and it goes down the line where it it's in and of itself may not be a vice but it's enhancing all of these negative things right. and it and it needs tending to it needs attention right so, yeah you're absolutely right so so then a part of this then the other part is is the tech stuff and i i think the tech stuff applies less to alcohol uh, you can't like drink through your phone as of yet god help <laughs> Not us yet. God <laughs> if, help they, us. if ai develops that then that would be like <laughs> we're, we're, sunk. <laughs> we're, we're totally sunk if that happens um no i mean you you could probably order alcohol to your door uh if you're part of a wine club or a beer yeah. club or something like yeah. that but not yeah. normally no not normally yeah. So the yeah. tech stuff doesn't really apply to the alcohol, but it does apply to the gambling. And a couple of questions that I that I sort of prepped for us was like, so do you do we think this is worse than traditional gambling? Better or is it no better? Or, or do we think that it's so different that it should be considered separately? And then 
how might this interact with the younger generations who are just more attached to their phones in general? Because right, right. a lot of them are going to be introduced to gambling through their phones. And th- that's the main point there. With the technology, it's just introducing people who may not have considered themselves gamblers. So right. you're going to have more people giving it a shot, so to speak. Right. right. And some of those people are going to develop a habit of giving it a shot. And and so that's the gamble of the industry is that we can expand our audience through the use of technology and people who don't want the, uh, the negative moniker of being a gambler will use this just like candy crush. Right. And, and, And they will play a game. Uh, but with the added benefit, unlike Candy Crush, you can win some money. You don't just get some extra candy or some extra points. You get some extra ducats, but, uh, it has the exact same long-term effect. So it's expanding the possibility for more people to lose to the house. So the house's take is increased, right? Because the landscape of losers has increased. The way gambling is structured to work is you have to lose more than you win. And we need more losers so that the people who own the house have a greater take. Correct. And technology expands the landscape of losers. Correct. And so, yeah, that that's the biggest thing. Now, should it be regulated any differently? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, that's for, you know, legislators to to hopefully learn about and discuss. But I think that what it should do is help us lean into the discussion of gambling in and of itself and understand what the addiction, the impact that the addiction is having. Yeah. On the quality of life of people. Like, for instance, I grew up around that vice and people yeah. who, who had that vice and some of them were winners. And because they won more than they lost, or some people might call them hustlers because they won more than they lost. They were huge proponents for it, but surrounding them were a lot of other vices. Correct. Right. Correct. So it led to their exploration into other type of addictive behaviors which is what we got into in episode three right which was like this this study by the national institute but essentially the doj finding a link i mean i didn't give all the results of that study if people would like it i think we could i think uh we could probably get it posted or something but there are other results in there that talk about the link between the most problematic gamblers and alcohol the link mm-hmm. between most problematic gamblers and drug use. They didn't find um, all elevated drug use, but I mean, funny enough to go back to our first episode, what they did find was increased speed usage. Mm-hmm. Um, the amphetamines, right? I mean, that's our <laughs> baseball episode again, because that's like the very first ob- one circling back around, right? Because <laughs> the obvious reason that like right. problematic gamblers need to stay awake and try to stay alert well, staying focused. People Stay believe focused, that right. it gives you an edge. You right. can almost exactly. predict, which is not true, but you Correct. can almost not predict true. the right. the turn of the next car. Right. Right. And, right. and yeah. so like they did find that they found higher rates of drug selling. Mm-hmm. And the thing that's remarkable about that is we oftentimes have this image of gamblers who go, well, they just commit white collar crimes. They mm-hmm. embezzle some money, mm-hmm. skim a little off the top. They're not really dangerous criminals mm-hmm. except the doj study would suggest that is wrong right uh, at at the worst levels if you take that study seriously gambling problems lead not just to the white collar crimes but mm-hmm. to the 
to the dangerous stuff, to the well, violent crime. Right. Just think that, about exactly. Just think about gambling for what it is. It's a get rich quick scheme. Exactly. Right? And they right. always attract people right. who want to get rich quick. Right. Right. Who are, who are not right. necessarily uh, the most pious. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. I mean, I mean, at its right. I mean, the, the most problematic forms of it. And so, you know, to go to your point, you mentioned something about you mentioned Candy Crush. And I actually think that's a really great example of sort of thinking about this. So I think people I mentioned it. I know on this. I'm sure I mentioned it like I'm a gamer. Mm-hmm. So. One thing that has happened is that the rise of cell phone technology has changed who is a gamer. Mm-hmm. And I've oftentimes said to many of my gamer friends, I'm like, gamers aren't people who buy Xboxes anymore. Gamers are anyone with the phone. The industry has moved away. The industry long moved away from us. They go, mm-hmm. why are p- people dedicating more resources to the PlayStation games and Xbox games? Because the market has shifted towards people who own phones. Mm-hmm. Why would they be concerned with those of us who spend five, $600 on a console when they could be concerned, when they could get everybody in the world who has a cell phone. Right. So gamers are I'm like, if, if a person plays Candy Crush for 10 hours a week, they're a gamer. Okay. They may not think they're a gamer, but the industry thinks you are. Right. And right. they're willing to sell you those, spend $3.99 to get some gems. Right? <laughs> there have been people who've spent a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. That's reverse they, gambling, right? <laughs> I mean, right. No, I mean, they're called loot boxes. They're, you know, they are literally like, that, that's a thing in gaming now where you, without knowing what you will get, this randomized. I'll go, that's called gambling. Mm-hmm. That's what this <laughs> is. And some countries are starting to are starting to treat those as gambling and suggesting that games that use them should be adult only rated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is gambling in any sort of general common sense understanding of the term. But not in so, America. But not in America, not in America. No, we're still going to let you throw your money away on a gaming box. But I think it's interesting because gaming shows how gambling has been weaved into gaming. Right. And because cell phones has enabled everybody, it's enabled a seamless transition. You know, you can go from you're scrolling your Facebook feed where you'll see an ad every like four posts. (laughs) Oh, DraftKings. Oh, okay. Here's a DraftKings ad with, with some of the people I mentioned. Kevin Hart, Peyton Manning. Here's a DraftKings ad. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, click this link to download the app now. Mm-hmm. Download the app and you're gaming in like two, you're gambling in two minutes. Right. You can go from ad to gambling in two minutes. It's so fast, you don't even realize you're gambling. You're yeah, just, I, you right. know, people, people are promised a good time and, and people right. want to have a good time. Even if it's, um, people scroll these feeds for, for laughs or what have you, and they want to feel good, are they looking for this dopamine high? And gambling offers that as well, right? Right. And, and, and before you even realize you've become a gambler, you're a gambler. And, and here it is, like, like, I just looked it up now. Like, they have the ads with, you know, uh, free promo codes. If you join now, we'll give you $100. Everybody people, loves something right? free. Everybody loves love free money. Free. And, right. and even if it's free money to lose. Right. You feel uh, like you don't have anything to lose, right? But that's right. the lure. That's the right. lure. Yeah. And I mean, not even the casinos give you free money. Well, you know what? If they you go in, stuff. right, right. It, it, yeah. Free drinks, maybe. Um, free drinks. Yeah. <laughs> that's another vice. But yeah. um, I think it's designed that way. It's designed right. to take you from casually dating to developing exactly. a long term relationship. The longer. Exactly. 
you lose the longer and the more I win, right? Right. And, and that's at the heart of really a lot of these vices, we don't really talk about them, is the economic impact, the positive economic impact for somebody that yep. makes it worthwhile for the negative impact for others. Like Correct. your Correct. loss is tolerable for my gain. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely it. Um, and it really is, you know, it's very insidious. And I know if people are listening to this, they'll probably go, oh, these two are just like, look, <laughs> I'm not a Puritan. Francine's not a Puritan. Whatever choice really we make in Puritan, whatever choice we make in our personal lives, like these are not policy positions. And I'm certainly you know? not against people doing what they right. want. I'm, right. I don't want to ever be that person right. to regulate others. Right. But it is, you know, worth having a very frank discussion about this because as I've mentioned, you know. I work a full-time job, raise a family. I am not a full-time journalist. I'm not a full-time researcher. I am an, an amateur at both, right? <laughs> and with, with- Well, I disagree, but go ahead. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, sitting in my bed on my Chromebook, on my $200 Chromebook, I was able <laughs> to find a DOJ report from 19 years ago that seems to suggest some troubling implications. And the report, you know, if, if people if, if people look at it and we post it, it says on the report, you know, mm -hmm. this was written by the John Ashcroft DOJ, so part of the Bush administration. And it says, well, who is this for? The list is for journalists. Um, I think it says it's for like addiction experts. And it yeah. says for policymakers. This is the part I was hoping you would get to because yeah. these research, uh, these research efforts were really meant to help us to better legislate or to develop funding yes. or to justify funding. But I can't see a lot of examples of that. I've seen it go exactly the opposite way. There's, there's a, I don't know if it's just the, 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 the stage that we're in in our culture, but I haven't heard of a lot of policy yeah. around these and, and I'll tell you, but it says right in the side, I just pulled it up, it says, who should read this study? Correction administrators, drug and gambling treatment pro providers, state level government policymakers. So this was a report, a study done by our government that was supposed to help guide policymakers right. to make more rational decisions about legalizing gambling. They realized that like the train was on the track, we're not turning back, but mm -hmm. we commissioned a report we did what the government is supposed to do. Mm -hmm. What people often say the government doesn't do, mm -hmm. but it does do in that they, they do study stuff and they issue reports and policymakers are supposed to read these reports and be guided by their findings. And so uh, because of the cycle of elections, sometimes right. these reports get lost in the shuffle. Right. And so it says really clearly in sort of the, the, the findings that like it says states and localities may want to develop treatment programs in detention centers, jails or prisons, group therapy sessions like Gambling Anonymous. Um, it says to reduce the chances of relapse, states and localities mm -hmm. may develop referral systems to help them get continued treatment. It, it, so it, it, it's a justification for wraparound services because the tension right. in and of itself is not going to help addiction. Correct. Which is exactly what they acknowledge, right? They, they go, you know, being behind bars is likely to worsen compulsive Absolutely. gambling habits of right. many because it says, although it is officially banned, it is difficult to control in prisons and jails. It is a diversion from the monotony of jail. Mm -hmm. As a result, arrestees and inmates may accrue significant gambling debts behind bars 
that can only be paid off by committing crimes after their release. So like this was the Bush administration saying, we know we can't stop states from legalizing this. We see where this is going. We can't stop them, but we can do some research that should help guide them. Well, here we are. Do we think any policymaker has bothered to pay much attention to this report? And I was able to find it with like 10 minutes of Googling on my Chromebook sitting in my bed. So this is evidence as to why we have to advocate for ourselves and help right. to remind policymakers of what they need to be doing for us. Right. This is a perfect example of how, you know, I talked about just briefly the cycles of elections. So things get lost in the cycles of elections. And we love to think that our policymakers are always looking out for our best benefit, but honestly, they're looking out for the next election. Correct. Because it, it comes up quickly for, for, for a lot of them. And leadership changes, agendas and priorities change, but our needs are pretty consistent yep. throughout. And we have to have advocates on the ground reminding us that these right. needs exist so that right. we can challenge those running for election to remember our needs as they go forward. Right. right. So a lot of what the DOJ is describing is kind of what the Puritans said about like gambling that is in fact the pattern they said well i would i would something. argue that it is the true definition of what those who practiced it the true definition of temperance right Correct. that temperance as in moderation for in moderation i have to say everyone who gambles everyone who drinks everyone who does anything is not going to be an addict no, but most we have don't. to make room for people who do lose control and we have to think about what that means when they do yeah. gambling if you rack up a gambling debt any debt you have to find a way to pay for it correct if you're already hopeless and you were trying to purchase a little bit of hope then what are you correct. going to do to pay for that hope debt correct and and correct. so we have to think about what positions that puts people in and what positions it puts us in and the cost to society. And I'm not just talking dollars and cents. I'm talking about, you know, the contributions or lack thereof to families and communities. Correct. And, um, so we, we have to think about it that way. It says it's 1% is the estimated percentage of Americans with severe gambling problems. Now, I mean, I don't know, you know, out of, well, I've out heard of, different out of all percentages. the people who gamble, right? Like, right. you know, and so. Well, they say we, that most people are casual. But right. There is a hardcore per percentage of all the people. Let's say that of society, 20 percent of us gamble of right. that percentage. Some people argue that it's one percent. Some people argue that it's high as seven to 10 percent. Correct. Right? That's a significant amount of loss. And this is according to be made up somewhere to an addiction site that three to five gamblers out of every 100 will struggle with the gambling problem. So then you, you sort of arrive. OK, so if we say it's three percent and you go, OK. But if you increase the population by hundreds of thousands via right. phones and ads, well, right. that's that's a much larger attention. number. Right. Exactly. Three out of every 100 will become uh, a gambling addict. And if right. you so if you have a thousand more gamblers, you have 30 more addicts. Right. Right. I mean, this is how these numbers work. Mm -hmm. um, if the percentages hold true, if the percentages hold true. And, and I would suspect that those numbers would rise 
because I would suspect that some of the stuff we talked about in this episode, the isolation, the ease with which new forms of gambling Mm -hmm. can be done, the seamless transition. I mean, you know, back in the day, (laughs) back in the day, (laughs) uh, you know, you had to drive to go gamble. Like you had to really want to go do it. (laughs) You had to, like, it was an effort. Right. Right. I got to plan my whole day around gambling. Like, (laughs) I got to drive to Anderson, Indiana to go right. to the tracks. Right. I don't live in Anderson. So I really got to plan this whole excursion out. Mm-hmm. It made it really difficult. It wasn't banned, right. but it was hard to do. And right. it required special effort to do it. Mm-hmm. But now the seamlessness. You don't have to get out of bed. You don't have to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> so, I mean, we got to think about it. And also we got to think about you know, like I said, you have a lot of people gambling, you have a lot of people that are engaging in this space who don't consider themselves gamblers. Right. right? They don't right. consider that they're gambling. Correct. You know, Correct. Because they're just playing a game. Just, exactly. Just because, like people who don't consider themselves gamers. I'm not a gamer. I mean, you spend 15 hours a week on like cooking mama. <laughs> Do you think you are? Like, right. I saw right. my wife did before. I'm like, you're a gamer. I see you making burgers and chef's kitchen whatever game hey, this hey, don't is. knock it don't knock it <laughs> and i'm not right it's not to knock it right it's just acknowledge like you spend a few hours a week doing that you are by definition a gamer you spend right hours a week right playing game. And, and and that's the key the definition now has to shift to include those those who engage on their phones online yep. because we still have this seedy vision or image in our mind some guy sweating at a at a uh bandit the, the ban- one-armed bandit or one-armed at, the, bandit. at the poker table not doing so well or blackjack or whatever. We have these these images in our mind, but really the true look of a gambler, it can be someone on their phone. It can yes. be some 16-year-old pretending yes. to be an 18-year-old, yes. 21-year-old yes. or whatever, because you know you can't tell me that they're making yes. sure. I mean, <laughs> the guy next to you on the subway might be betting his whole paycheck. Right. 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 <laughs> Just while riding, you know, to the next stop, that guy might be losing his whole thing. And they are trying to change the image. And I think this is the, the, the point we can end on. Right. The gambling industry is aware that they had this image of like, let's just say sweaty dudes at the craps at the craps table, sweaty dudes at the slot machine. Right. Mm-hmm. You always heard you always heard. Well, Vegas wants to rebrand. You know, why do they want to rebrand? They don't. When they say rebrand, they don't mean we want to rebrand and shut down the casinos. What they mean is we want to make it sexy so that more people come to the casino. Yeah, rebranding usually means you want to expand your audience. Right? right. So when you look, you go, that's why they show you Kevin Hart. That's why they show you J.B. Smoove and Peyton Manning and Lisa Leslie and Emmett Smith and Julius Irving and David right. Ortiz. Right. It's not because they, they want to make it sexy and fun and cool. They want you to associate. This is why I like cigarettes. The Marlboro Man was so cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So cool. Right. right. on a horse with a cowboy hat. He was Never sweat. Amazing. Never sweat. Right. Never sweat. He was awesome. <laughs> this is why I used to like Frank Sinatra light up and like, man, if the Rat Pack smokes, it's the coolest thing in the world. Right. right. Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr. and Dean Martin out there making smoking look good, son. <laughs> James Bond makes having a drink shaken, not stirred, baby. <laughs> Nothing's cooler than this. I'm James Bond with the tux. Right. I look like Daniel Craig or Sean right. Connery. I am styling. You can't tell me all nothing. the bonds. All the bonds. You can't tell me nothing. <laughs> I'm killing it. 
Right. And right. Bod is out here gambling and drinking and smoking, getting the ladies, living his best life. Right. right. The reason why they told Hollywood, hey, you got to cut out with the cigarettes. Because they realized we can't make people stop smoking if the coolest people on the face of the earth are telling them to do it. Right. Like we, That's not going to work. Right. Every time they go to the movies or look at a TV screen, they see young, attractive people mm-hmm. making it look good. You know, mm-hmm. Audrey Hepburn with the, she had the thing the, that the, was the, 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 the extender thing. Extender, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, like, right. we can't fight that if Audrey Hepburn makes it look this damn good. Right. That's what they're doing with these ads. Mm-hmm. They're trying to make it look so cool, so awesome, so fun, so carefree that they want everybody to do it. They don't want it to be associated, like I said, with sweaty middle-aged men, or like you said, sweaty middle-aged men mm-hmm. sitting there with a couple of nickels desperately playing. That's not, they want you to associate it with cool, awesome people. Right. Like, right. well, I'm not like that guy. I, I'm like Peyton Manning. I'm cool. Right. Right. All the kids are doing it. It's like you, and like I said, as we move forward, like you really have to hold, I don't know we've told people, there's a lot you need to hold in your head when you mm-hmm. think about this, right? Mm-hmm. That's but like, that's what we have to do. But you have to hold in your head because the reason I put this episode here is because moving forward, we're going to talk about some more modern vices. I'm not going to tip my hand too much, but we're going mm-hmm. to talk about things that have cropped up more recently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... I will tell people where this is leading is to marijuana. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because you have to think the same people who told you the Marlboro man made smoking cool, the Mm -hmm. same people who wanted to put a a cigarette in Audrey Hepburn and Frank Sinatra's hand, Mm -hmm. the same people who wanted to sell you alcohol with catchphrases like, what's up? (laughs) The same people who want to sell you gambling with Kevin Hart Mm-hmm. It'll be the same people selling you marijuana. Like it's the same group. If it goes national, they can't do it now because they can't do it federally. They can't get right. bank loans. They can't, mm-hmm. they don't want to be in a cash business. But if it's legal nationally, mm-hmm. you will have ads from the coolest people you know telling you to smoke weed. And they'll be right next to the ad telling you to buy a drink, right next to the ad telling you to gamble. Like right, that is right. what will happen. So people stay tuned. So right, <laughs> like that's where this is leading to. Right, right, exactly. And you yeah. have to keep in your head, outside of do you think something should be legal? Mm-hmm. Do you think they should be using the coolest people on earth to sell it to us? Mm, that's a question. That's a question. No. <laughs> Tackle that next time. <laughs> right. So that's where we are going over the next few episodes, right? So uh, once again, thank you for joining me, Francine. Thanks for having um, this discussion. I appreciate it. This was a ball. I've yeah. enjoyed it as always. And as always, I want to encourage you, the audience, to continue the discussion on Facebook and Instagram. Like all of our shows here, this podcast is brought to you in part by Eliag Productions, a studio for podcasters and musicians and Pointcast News. To listen to our podcast or read our latest articles, you can visit our website at pointcast.news or subscribe to our feed on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and make sure you join us next time.